Well, please remain standing for the reading of God's word this morning from Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 14. Luke 2, 8 to 14. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. It's God's word for his people today. You may be seated. Let's pray once again and ask for God's help. Father, we ask that you would give us eyes and ears to see and hear the love of which angels came to tell us about but do not know themselves. Help us see what they long to see and know in Jesus Christ this day. Help us in these few moments before the frantic pace of Christmas Eve and Christmas Day pick up again to have ears that would hear you speak to us from the pages of your word. Give us eyes to see the glory of our Savior and hearts that would be filled with great joy, we pray for the glory of your name. Amen. During December, uh, our family spends many of the evenings watching Christmas movies together. We get our four major food groups of candy, candy canes, candy corns, and syrup, and settle into the holiday classics. Now, honestly, um, I'm there for the family time and the Christmas treats uh, more than I am the films. Uh, it's not that I don't like Christmas movies, but after seeing them all so many times, I find myself like Charlie Brown in his Christmas classic movie, wondering what these movies have to do with Christmas. I wonder if you remember that towards the end of the movie, the Peanuts gang is laughing hysterically at Charlie for the sorry excuse of a tree he picked out. And so Charlie wonders aloud if he knows what Christmas is all about. He's been spending the whole movie trying to figure out what Christmas is all about. And so finally he throws up his hands and cries out, isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Now even if you haven't seen the movie as many times as I have, you probably know what happens next because it's the most famous scene in the movie. Linus, in his uh, way with his little blue blankie, replies, sure, Charlie Brown, I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Then he proceeds to center stage, the lights go down, the spotlight hits him, and he quotes the text we just read, Luke 2, 8 to 14. The answer to Charlie's question of what Christmas is all about is found in the angel's message to the shepherds. 
Christmas is about beholding the good news of great joy that is for all peoples, that unto us a son who is our salvation has been born. Christmas is the good news of great joy that our Savior has come. Now, our world is a bad news kind of world. Uh, we're dominated by bad news because bad news generates more clicks than good news, and clicks generate revenue. And so, our market is dominated by bad news cycles. So much so that during the uh, early stages of COVID, when most of the world was at home, swimming, drowning, inundated by bad news, one actor and a stroke of genius created a show called Some Good News, which actually doesn't, wasn't just some good news. It was a show entirely dedicated to highlighting only good news. And in a bad news world, that show with only good news was a smash hit. And it brought lots of joy to people in a world with seemingly little of it. And, and that's the thing about news. It, it, it points you to something that's already happened. News is, is broadcasting something that's already happened. The, the camera never shows up on your doorstep and demands you give them some news. The cameras show up to tell others what's already taken place. And that's what the angels in verses 8 to 14 point out on the outskirts of this out-of-the-way, little-thought-of, backwoods, backwards kind of town called Bethlehem. Joseph and Mary had traveled from Nazareth to his family's hometown to be registered for this Roman census in the days of Quirinius, the governor. And while they were there, Mary gave birth to her firstborn son, and she swaddled him, swaddled him in cloths and laid him in a manger in what was probably either the family guest room or maybe the family cave that served as an animal shelter during inclement weather uh, and also served as a place where it housed all the tools and food for the animals to eat. And they were in a place like that because there was no room for them anywhere in the town, including their own family home, had no room for them as the town was at full capacity for this census. And since the Son of God was born in a little corner of the world without fanfare and was lying in an animal feeding trough, God sent some of his angels to spread the news of this momentous thing that's already happened, which as of yet the world knew nothing of. And at first, a single angel arrives from heaven in a field on the outskirts of Bethlehem, and appears to some shepherds. But this angel isn't alone. We often think of the angel and then lots of angels, but actually the first angel arrives with no other angels, but not alone. Along with this angel came the glory of the Lord. The glory of the Lord shone so bright that the night became brighter than the day. And the shepherds were filled with great fear. The original says, they were fearing fear large. They were fear, fearing fear great. 
It's something about being super terrified. Now, growing up, uh, I memorized the King James Version of Luke 2 and heard it over and over and over and over and over in that translation, so much so that I can't memorize Luke 2 in any other translation because inevitably somewhere a, a King James word shows up. I just, I cannot get it down. But one thing I do like about the King James's version of Luke 2 is that when the glory of the Lord shines, it says the shepherds were what? Sore afraid. Sore afraid. Uh, they were so filled with terror that it hurt. They thought they were about to die. Right? Like in, in, our, in our world, it would be the emoji skeleton head. And it would be like dead. Right? That, that's what they felt. They felt like they were about to break. So much, they were so drowning in fear that they, it hurt. It was painful. One moment they're watching sheep, just going about their merry night. And the next they watched God's glory sh- just shine and light up the night. And they feared a fear that was so great, they'd never feared such a fear before. So God got their attention. <laughs> and so the angel begins the newscast. So we'll look at three headlines in our good news of great joy tonight. The first, the first headline is fear not. Fear not. The shepherds weren't just startled. They were fearing fear large. They were sore afraid. They were filled with a terrifying level of fear they've never felt before. So they weren't just startled. And I'm sure the angels' arrival with the shining glory of the Lord did startle them. I mean, one moment, nothing the next moment, everything. But that kind of fear, like if you're just startled by something, dissipates quickly. Uh, earlier this week, Becky came home uh, with some groceries and I went out to help, trying to be helpful, but instead she didn't hear me, so when she turned around, I freaked her out. She, you know, she's like, ah! <sighs> didn't hear you, right? But then we took the groceries inside and she probably hasn't thought about it since I'm talking about it right now. It, 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 she was startled and it dissipated quickly. But, but the fear here in Luke 2 isn't so easily diminished because it, they weren't just startled. They encountered the glory of the Lord. Uh, the word glory has a connotation of weight. It's a, it's a weightiness. It's God's presence. The weight of God's presence drew so near to them that this is more than just brightness. God is so completely other. He's so weighty. He's so unlike us. He's so holy. He's so awesome. He's so majestic. He's so mighty. He's so high. He's so exalted. He's so unlike anything we could ever be startled by. When he shows up, you're like, I cannot be in, I can't survive this. I'm dead. It's breathtakingly freaky when God shows up. Because even if we can't put words to it, we know something so unlike us, so holy, so other, so awesome, that if, if, if this weight keeps coming and staying, I can't survive it. In Exodus 33, when Moses asks to see the glory of the Lord, God shoves him in a crack of a rock and says, if, if you do, you're going to die. So I'll just let you see a little bit of the trail of the glory. And that still lit up Moses for a long time. Like he was in a fake tanner for a couple days. 
Just the trail of it. So awesome is God's glory that when Isaiah just gets a vision of it, not even the real thing, he just has a vision of the glory of God. Isaiah's like, dead. Woe is me. I'm undone. I am so unclean. I cannot make it. Just a vision of the glory of the God. So it's not surprising then that these poor shepherds were drowning in great fear. But then the angel broadcast a headline, fear not. Great fear, but fear not. And that helps us see the true meaning of Christmas. I mean, we could not do what needed doing. If we were ever to dwell in God's presence again, not only without fear, but, but without perishing, God had to break in to our world to do what needed to be done. And because God broke in those many years ago, not to bring the judgment our unholiness, our sin deserves, but salvation from it, the angel's first headline is fear not. Fear not. God has done something. Let me tell you about it. And the true meaning of Christmas begins with the fact that though we should have everything to fear in light of the holiness of God, God broke into our bad news world with good news of great joy. And that leads then to the second headline. Fear not. Secondly, a Savior is born. A Savior is born. The angel hasn't come with bad news confirming their fears. The angel has come with news that is so profoundly good, it will give them more joy than the great fear they just had. That's how the angel structures his news headline. Do you see? They were fearing fear large. They thought this is, this is beyond being startled or scared, terrorizing, death is coming. I'm done. That, that kind of fear. But the angel says, no, no, don't fear. I have good news of great joy. I'm going to outjoy your fear with what I'm about to tell you. You had this kind of fear? Wait till I tell you, and let's see what kind of joy you have, right? Their fear was 100 out of 10. And he says, I have something that's going to bring you 1,000 out of 10 joy. And so I wonder what these poor shepherds who are, I mean, emo- imagine the emotional roller coaster of that, right? Nothing, angel, glory of God. They don't even know who they are anymore. They don't know where they are. Fear not. You're gonna, I'm about to give you some great joy. I mean, the, so I wonder what they thought they were about to hear. Maybe they thought they'd hit the jackpot, so no more night shifts in the field, fighting off wild animals and keeping the flocks safe. No more being on the low rung of society. No more Roman government calling censuses so they can increase their taxes. I mean, I wonder how long it would have taken these poor shepherds to get to the fact that they're about to hear a birth announcement. And not even their child's birth announcement. Somebody else's. Uh, We've had many babies born at five points this year, and they are all very cute. Let me just state that clearly. I said they are all very cute. (laughs) But none of them made me as happy as my own children being born. And so 
other people's babies, maybe it's just me, but other people's babies, you're like, okay, that's cool. But it doesn't give you a thousand out of ten joy that's going to survive every trial and tribulation you face in life. You're like, oh, yeah, I remember so-and-so had a baby 17 years ago. No, other people's babies don't move the joy needle the way the angel is talking about in Luke 2. But, but that's what's so strange about this headline. The, the angel is acting as if it is their baby, right? For unto you is born this day. It's not their biological baby, but it is, in a way, theirs. So the angel goes on to explain how this is true. This baby is the Savior who is Christ the Lord. The Savior who is Christ the Lord. And that's all he tells you about the baby. So you know if angels had gender, this angel's a man, because he doesn't tell you anything else about the baby. <laughs> right? No weight, no length. There's no little, like, charcoal feet on the, on the news headline. The baby doesn't even tell you, or excuse me, the angel doesn't even tell you the baby's name. <laughs> it's just, hey, this baby's here. He's the Savior. He's Christ. He's the Lord. And, and so we have to wonder why. Why doesn't he tell you if the baby's doing all right and the mother made it through and she's recovering fine? And it's, it, it's frankly because it doesn't matter. <laughs> because those details won't bring you great joy. They're nice, but they won't bring great joy. The angel tells us what we need to know and what will bring great joy. It tells us who the baby is. He's the Savior, who is the Christ and Lord. And the word Savior means deliverer. It's used in the Old Testament when a person sent from God delivers God's people from either great danger or powerful enemies, which is why this is news of great joy. On this night, sinful humanity's deliverer has been born. Not just a certain people, not just in a, a little time or a little corner of the world, it's all of God's people deliver is born tonight. And not just a temporary deliverer. All the Old Testament deliverers were just temporary. They came and went, and then they died. But, but all those Old Testament deliverers pointed to the promised deliverer who would finally and fully come and save and deliver his people once and for all. And that's why this baby is also the Christ. The Christ, the word Messiah, it means anointed one, the promised chosen one of God. He's the, he's the son God's people have been waiting for since Genesis 3, the seed of the woman who would deliver God's people by crushing the serpent's head. He's the son of Psalm 2 who will rule the earth, who will inherit the nations, and all who take refuge in him will be blessed. And this baby, who is the Savior and Christ, then is also Lord. He is Lord. He is God in flesh, God incarnate. And he will reign forever and ever as the king from David's line. And he's born in David's city. So he's the fulfillment of Isaiah 9. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. Luke 2 
For unto you is born tonight this son, the Savior, in David's city. The angel's news is that the long-awaited light has finally lit up the world of deep darkness. As we read at the beginning of our service today, Isaiah 64, the Lord rended the heavens and came down. And it's not only the angel's word that ties this to Old Testament texts. The shepherds being in darkness and then their darkness being lit up is literally a fulfillment of Isaiah 9. In a land of deep darkness, light has shone. On the outskirts of the city, announcing the birth of the long-awaited Savior who is fully God and fully man, that born to us this night in Bethlehem has come our Savior, the Christ and Lord. Now, sometimes uh, you see a news headline so outlandish, so almost unbelievable, you, you check to see if you're accidentally clicked on the Babylon Bee, or, or you, you check the calendar to see if it's April 1st, because you wonder if you're being fooled. Like, how, how can the news of Luke 2, a, a, a baby that's God in the flesh, that's come for us to save us, how can all this be true? And if we're honest, it actually is quite unbelievable. And maybe that's why much of the world goes about its merry way, snickering at us religious folk for not only believing there is a God, but that the Savior, Messiah, Lord of the universe, was born fully man. But when I say unbelievable, I, I don't mean that it isn't true. I mean unbelievable in the sense that it seems too good to be true. This is, too big, this is too good to be true, right? Christmas is about the good news of great joy that God became man to be our salvation. That can't be right. That, that's too good to be true, right? And so God in his grace gives a sign. He gives a sign in verse 12. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And later, uh, in chapter 2, the shepherds ran as fast as they could with great haste to go to the city and found Mary and Joseph and this baby born unto us lying in a manger, just like they were told. And verse 20 says, And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen. They both heard it, then they saw it, as it had been told them. Every part of the news headlines they heard that night was proven true. And they were filled with wonder. Amazing love. How can it be that God became flesh for you and for me? And maybe you're in that spot. Maybe you think that that could be true for others, fine, but, but not for you. Maybe God saves others, but you're too far out of his reach or too unworthy of his grace. And so let me remind you where Jesus was born and then laid, not in a palace nursery and a royal crib. There wasn't an exclusive People magazine photo shoot announcing his birth to the world. There wasn't paparazzi all over the place trying to get a snap. He was born in a town that had no room for him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him from the very beginning of his life. 
And then they laid him in an animal feeding trough. I wonder if they had to keep the donkey out from nibbling on Jesus' toes all night long. And that's where Jesus began his life, in an animal feeding trough, in a town that had no room for him. I, I love how Charles Spurgeon preached the meaning of this in his 1862 Christmas sermon. He says this, And thus being laid in a manger, he did, as it were, give an invitation to the most humble to come to him. He doesn't mean humble there as in you're a very humble person. He means people of humble estate, humble status, lowly. The most lowly can come to him. We might tremble to approach a throne, but we cannot fear to approach a manger. He puts himself into that manger that you may approach him. The throne of Solomon might awe you, but the manger of the son of David must invite you. You might be scared to walk up to a king on his throne with royal guards, with big weapons, ready to do anything to you if you make a wrong move or say the wrong thing, but a manger, but a manger invites you to come. No one is too unworthy of the Savior born in such a way. And may I also remind you of who first heard the angels' news headlines. They were shepherds. Now, I don't mean to make you mad if you like precious moments, but, but these guys were not precious moments shepherds. Right? They, had to, they had to fight off like lions and wolves and things. They're not like little dudes with like milky white and all like four years old and cute and cuddly. They're, they were not... They were not good dudes. Listen to how one pastor puts it. He says this. Because they lived out in the fields, shepherds were unable to keep the ceremonial law, and thus they were treated as unclean. They were also regarded as liars and thieves, which is why their testimony was inadmissible in a court of law. Shepherds were also despised because they often left the flocks when the wild animals did show up. With the exception of lepers, lepers, they were the lowest class of men in Israel. Yet these were the men God wanted to hear the gospel, working class sinners. Now we tend to think that God is for the good people, when in fact, he is for needy sinners who are desperate for grace. Christmas is not about coming to good people. It's the news that the most needy and desperate people have been given the greatest gift they could ever hope for. God's saving grace is for the needy and the desperate. And that's why God's good news of great joy then is for all the people. It's for all the people, all kinds of people, from every tribe and nation and tongue, for all times, not just certain people, not just the ones who can get it together. In fact, he's come for the people who can't ever get it together and always feel like they can't get it together and aren't getting it together and continue to stumble and stumble and stumble. The long-awaited Savior, the one who comes to banish all our fears and give abiding joy is not a Savior for a specific time, people, or place, but one who was born to save all God's people from every time and people and place and do so once and for all. 
And the good news is Jesus is God's answer to your great need of salvation. It's Jesus, not you. God doesn't expect you to save yourself. That's why unto us is born that night a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Which means the depth of your need can't ever disqualify you from being delivered. You could make an entire mess of it and ruin your life, and you're still not disqualified from being delivered. The depth of your need can't disqualify you. The depth of your need can only serve to bring greater glory to Jesus because no matter how great your need is, Jesus is always greater. He can save to the uttermost. God has come in Jesus Christ, and he will save. So not even the greatness of your need can stop God from fulfilling his promise to save a people for the glory of his name. That's the good news of great joy. That's the Savior whom the angels announce was born that night on the outskirts of Bethlehem to these lowly working class sinners. And that's why those who look to him have nothing to fear and are filled with great joy. But there's one final headline for us. One final headline for us. Yes, fear not. A Savior has come. So behold. Behold. In verse 10, the angel says, fear not, for behold. For behold. It's a command, but the angel isn't being bossy. It, it, it means look. It means see, look. Check out what's happening. It grabs our attention so we don't miss what's going on. It'd be like us saying today, wow, look at that. When I say that as we're driving to a grandma's house for Thanksgiving or Christmas or something, you know, a family dinner, we're on the road, and I say, wow, look at that. The kids in the back drop everything to try and see it. They don't say, stop bossing me around. They, they want to see, and then they're upset when they miss it. They're like, I didn't see it. Tell me, what was it? I'm like, ah, too bad. You got to be quicker next time. No, I'm like, so we tell them. We tell them what happened. They're like, look, see. You're not being bossed around. You're being told to look so you don't miss out. Behold. And we, we live in a frantically paced world. And December is no different. In fact, December is often the busiest month of the year. And I actually wonder if that's what the devil wants, to keep you busy and distracted, even with good things, so that you have no time to simply behold what God has already done. Not what he wants you to do, or what's left for you to do, or some other things you gotta do to enjoy what Christmas is all about, but so that you never have time to just sit in wonder of what God has already done, to glory along with the angels and say, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace. Not busy craziness, but peace among those with whom God is pleased. And the shepherds dropped everything to behold the baby born that night. They left their flocks. Important, but they left it to behold the Savior of the world. And I'm sure you have many things to do today 
many pressing responsibilities on your plate, last minute family things, meals, presents, wrapping, what, I mean, lots of things that maybe are on your to-do list today, but none of them are more important than the true meaning of Christmas. So none take priority over beholding what God in Christ has already done for sinners. And one of my favorite holiday movies proclaims not just the four kind of food groups you should be eating this month, but that the best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. And, and that may bring a little holiday cheer. It may do so for a time. But it won't deliver the great joy that our world desperately needs. But the good news of Luke 2 brings something better than holiday cheer. For when we were lost in sin and death, when we were dwelling in darkness, when we had everything to fear unto us, a Savior was born. When we could do nothing to change who we are, where we were, and where we were heading, God did it all in Jesus Christ. So I pray you have ears to hear the news the angels sang that night long ago. Fear not, a Savior has been born. And may God be gracious to you and give you the grace to behold the glory and wonder of this good news of great joy that is for all people. Let's pray. Father, we do ask that we take a moment in this providential space you've given us this day where we can't do anything else, where we can't go anywhere else when we're already here, that we would take a few minutes to behold the wonder of the manger, the wonder of the good news of great joy that is for all people. And I pray that that would set us up for the rest of our day and tomorrow to continue beholding this good news of great joy. And we pray that you would send us out as people who are messengers of this good news, that relish this great joy, that are so filled with it ourselves that people wonder about how we could be so joyful in a world like ours. And that we would continue to give great glory to you in Jesus Christ and the power of the Spirit for all that you have already done for us in Jesus Christ. We pray now that as we close, you would get great glory for yourself, for there is peace on earth now because of Jesus Christ among those with whom you are pleased. Amen. Let's stand and conclude in worship together.